think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind, he will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 294 of Low Limit Football on this 23rd of August, 2020. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we will break down the conclusion of the Champions League with Bayern Munich winning 1-0 over PSG. We have a great show in store for you. Let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? What did you think of the game? Well, I thought the game was uh, a little bit, let's just say lackluster, actually, now thinking about it. I mean, I, I think there was just a lot of hope into seeing that we were going to get a lot of goals in this one. But I think what in the end, we got a really a chippy performance, uh, perhaps a bit out, um, overshadowed by two great goalkeepers. But in the end, I think it was the... Um, I think we have the best team in the world as, as the champions, and rightly so, given how dominant they've been uh, over the course of the entire competition. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, we talked to Alex Schaffer and, um, and, and Jonathan Johnson yesterday about the match, and we all expected goals. We expected 3-1, 3-2. We expected even, I think Jonathan at one point said 3-3, if you remember correctly, in the, uh, in the preview podcast. And it wasn't meant to be, and I think what happened was we got what you typically get in a Champions League final, which is that, or, or or any final really, if you think if you look back on some of the the great finals we've had, you get that 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 tentativeness, that that tightness that teams play with, that they they don't really go all out. They you know they're they're more worried about giving up that goal than scoring that goal. And I think we saw that. Um, I, I did see you know at the first ten fifteen minutes. Uh, Bayern Munich ex executed for me what Bayern Munich completely wanted to do, where they uh, they they pressed, they attacked, they they kept PSG on their heels, and really to the point where PSG were like missing the middle third of the of the pitch, and as as that slowed down, as legs started to wear in a little bit, you saw PSG start to open up a little more, and you and you saw kind of a little bit more of a back and forth, but again, a very physical match, a very chippy match, uh, plenty of yellow cards handed out for everybody, and at the same time. It was it was actually a brilliant goal uh, by Kingsley Coleman in the 50, 59th minute that ended up sealing the deal. A great ball in from Joshua Kimmich, and ultimately great play by both Manuel Neuer and Kaylor Navas, in my opinion, Rob. Where 
Neuer was almost vintage Neuer, right? He, he the foot saves that he makes and and just his his uncanny ability to get in front of stop, uh, shots and stop them was totally on display here. It was like the the Manuel Neuer from five, six years ago that we saw out there tonight. And and that was a huge thing because ultimately we're going to look back on this match and we're going to see, you know, we're, I can't put a lot of blame on guys like Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. I, I don't want to say that PSG lost the match so much that Bayern Munich won the match. And I think that's where the credit goes. I don't think ultimately PSG as a, as a unit played poorly. I, I think they were missing the middle third. I think maybe Tuchel should have made a few moves in the match a little earlier than he did that maybe would have given him another chance. But at the same time, Kylian Mbappe missed a couple of opportunities. Neymar missed a couple of opportunities. And, and I shouldn't say missed. They were stopped by, by a great Manuel Neuer tonight who was totally on display for them. And ultimately, like you said, the better team won, the best team won, the right team won. And, and Bayern Munich pick up, I believe, their sixth trophy, uh, their, their sixth Champions League trophy. Just a fantastic performance overall. We're... I'm going to go to you, Rob, and ask you what what were your thoughts on the overall play? Let's let's look at it from the PSG standpoint. Um, what could have been done differently, uh, whether it be from Tuchel or from the team itself, that maybe would have maybe changed the tide of this tournament or the tide of this match? Well, I think it's just trying to find that kind of creator to help support uh, Neymar and Mbappe and obviously Di Maria. I think while we did see the likes of Paredes and, and, and obviously under Herrera um, perform to the extent, you know, it still has, it just doesn't provide that same effect as what someone like Marco Verratti um, would do. Um, even someone like Julian Draxler, who could also be so versatile in how he plays uh, in the midfield or even on, on the attack. He might yet have been someone that could help on the offense. Um, and I think when you really look at that more deeply, I think you also have to look at some of the chances that were wasted. I think obviously, you know, Mbappe had that one chance that he missed uh, at the end of the first half. Um, you know, Di Maria on his wrong, on his, um, his wrong opposite foot, yeah. foot as well. Yeah, exactly. So he he was off it as well. You know, we didn't really see a lot of Neymar either, um, which was kind of a bit ironic considering that he might have been the, the, the big piece to put that in, um, create and also, you know, be an attacking uh, prowess up front. But, and again, I think we also saw a match that was displayed by two great goalkeepers. I think while Kaylin Navas did concede the, the goal in the end, I think we did see a bunch of good saves, uh, great saves actually from, from Robert Lewandowski, and and you have to credit Manuel Neuer as well. I think we we saw the Manuel Neuer of of, of old, the the great Manuel Neuer that we've known for for quite some time. You know, stopping shots at close range, using his feet, and and just being that kind of force uh, between the sticks. So, I think that's how I overall saw it. I think for PSG, it really was a case of where you're going to find that effectiveness moving forward, and how that high line of defense that Bayern Munich would use, you know, how would that suffocate PSG moving forward? And I think it worked out. I think you saw a Bayern Munich side that was able to work well in transition and, and, and go back when needed to um, in defense. And, you know, it, it paid off well. I think it was perfectly, maybe not as dominant as you thought it would be for Bayern Munich, but in the end, I think that's what you need. I think when you get when you look back at this result, you look at how they were able to be effective in the way that they needed to. Yeah, you know, I, I think ultimately for me, it looked like PSG's game plan going into this was to defend and counter, defend and counter, defend and counter. 
And the way Bayern Munich pressed, especially in the first half, it was much more obvious then. The the line that the, the back four of Bayern Munich took in in the pitch would not allow for the, well let's let's let me rewind a little bit. The midfield and, and the strikers that, that played for Bayern Munich that were providing that press and that pressure when they lost the ball in PSG's third really did a, a fantastic job. A fantastic job of pressuring immediately when they lost the ball, you know, enforcing the issue. And what that allowed for me was it allowed a much more relaxed style of play from the back four from Bayern Munich and really cut off any chance at a, a at a counterattack, which was what Tuchel wanted to do. He wanted to be able to get the ball in counter. We've seen it time and time again where they, you know, and even Navas tried to do it a couple of times quickly where he'd get that ball and he'd play it quickly to, to Kylian Mbappe out on the wing. But the way the defenders were sitting, they were sitting so well back, almost too deep to an extent. Yep. That, that they were able to cut that off and, and, and really end what PSG wanted to do there. And it took, like, like we said, it took that or it needed that, that creator in the middle. And Paredes and Andre Herrera did not provide that creativity that they really needed to, to play a little bit more of a short game and be able to counter quickly with, with somebody that would be more precise. Right. In terms of passing. Um, yeah. The Di Maria one that was very unfortunate that it was it ended up on his right foot. Obviously, Di Maria is a left footed player. The Kylian Mbappe one uh, again, a, another one that he just didn't get all of it. And even the Neymar uh, double opportunity were huge saves by Neuer. Those were the those are the turning points, the minimal ones. Um, no fault to Kayla Navas on this one either, by the way, my friend, because no. I, I thought for me. He played an excellent, excellent game. No sense of him being hindered by his injury at all. Uh, the Kingsley Coleman goal was a fantastic goal. It was a goal that not many goalkeepers would have ever gotten, even even Kaylor Navas, uh, obviously, of course. But the, the ball from Joshua Kimmich that was played into that to Kingsley Coleman on the far side was just, it was so precise and it was so inviting that if anything, maybe we want to fault the, the defenders there a little bit for not marking Coleman a little closer. But still, a great ball in, a great header, well-placed, and something that most goalkeepers would not stop. I can't say that that Navas is faulted, or, or even the defense for the most part was faulted to an extent. I felt like, ultimately, the best players on PSG for this match, Rob, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or I'd like your thoughts on the best players, but for me... It was it was Kaylor Navas and it was Marquinhos um, and and I would give a third place um, to Thiago Silva. So we're talking two defenders and the goalkeeper. It, I thought they were the best pieces that they had. And again, no fault to Mbappe. I thought Mbappe played a, a decent match. I thought Neymar played a decent match. Di Maria, maybe if if I want to pick apart and find a couple of things, I think maybe Verratti should have come on a little sooner. I think Julian Draxler should should have come on a little sooner. More so Draxler than Verratti. We don't know what his health situation was. But ultimately, this was, I mean, this was there for the taking, even at 70, 80 minutes. And, and PSG ultimately, ultimately couldn't find what they needed to find to, uh, to even up the score and take it to extra time or penalties. What, what were your thoughts on who the best players were for, uh, for PSG? Yeah, I think I agree. I think we saw Thiago Silva demonstrate his, his force in the back, uh, even with Kaylor Navas, even though, you know, you can't really say he was on following the goal, but at the same time, I think he was spectacular. And, and yeah, I think you would agree. I think Marquinhos was also someone that was effective. I, I'd also want to mention someone like Juan Bernat. I think he mm. also was good at um, at trying to find that that 
effectiveness and creativity up front um, in the back and then try to help um, them going forward. So, I mean, you can't really say too many pieces, but um, ultimately I think um, we would we saw more of the defense be a bit stellar um, in a game where the attack really needed to be on its on its best, and unfortunately it didn't. Yeah, uh, you know, looking on the Bayern side, I mean, obviously, number one for Manuel Neuer for me, that was he was the best player. Uh, for me, ultimately, I, I think you probably even give him man of the match at this point because he made some huge saves in timely fashion in, in critical points in the match. And I think for me, this was vintage Manuel Neuer. Uh, I, I was surprised we didn't get as much out of Robert Lewandowski, but you saw the game plan, even even defending from the PSG side. Key was Neymar. Key was Kylian Mbappe. Everyone else, they were going to play within reason. But but as Bayern Munich looked at it, those were the two players. That that was it. And and they can't get loose. And, and they did a great job of that. So, you know, Jerome Boateng up until he got injured. And, and then Nicolas Sule, when he comes on afterwards to cover for him, I thought did a fantastic job. Alaba did a great job. I thought Kimmich and Davies on the wings did a very, very good job. And I think Kingsley Coleman should be credited. Um I'm surprised we didn't get as much out of Gnabry and, and Thomas Muller as you would have expected, especially given the performance of Gnabry in the semifinal. But I, I think ultimately this match was won and lost with Manuel Neuer, man of the match for me, and, uh, and, and you know, and the right team won. What, what were your thoughts on the Bayern side of it, Rob? No, yeah, I, I think Manuel Neuer deserves to get man of the match. I think a good second place would be Thiago, though. Yes. I think he was very effective in that midfield, you know, playing passes, playing long balls, um, you know, just... Being that kind of um, metronome in the midfield, I think he's, you know, it's unfortunate that this is probably going to be, this was his last game mm-hmm. in a Bayern Munich shirt. Um, he's supposedly supposed to go to Liverpool, if all rumors are are correct. But uh, what a way to, to top off his final game uh, in a Bayern shirt. I think he really had a stellar matchup. And yeah, I agree. I think the flanks, I think Davies, you know, he was a bit off initially, but I think he regained his form a bit more. Kimmich, I mean, I think he's someone that is very very effective and probably one of the more versatile players in the game you know being someone that he can play as a defender or or even a midfielder if he needs to Mm -hmm. i think you have to give credit to robert Lewandowski despite not scoring but also kind of having that kind of um you know energy and 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 just initiative to help with that pass to Kimmich and then the assist towards coleman for the goal i think um he deserves all the, the credit as well and yeah i think coleman as well getting that goal uh kind of ironic at a former psg Academy product uh, made his debut. I think at 16, is has won his 20th trophy uh, in his career at the age of 24. Amazing career so far, and like you said, he's only 24. With, with Lewandowski, it was more of a, a presence, right? It was somebody that you had to watch, and you had to just kind of like with Kylian Mbappe and with Neymar, you had to make sure that you knew where Robert Lewandowski was on the pitch at all times, and and that made it tough. I can't echo enough what you had to say about Thiago Alcantara. That was that was if that was his final match, what by all accounts it is, it was it was the match. It was the right match to have, and he was phenomenal in that match. I mean, he clogged up the midfield over and over and over again, and really between him and, and the pressure that that Coleman would put on, and even Goretzka to a point, although he was a little bit more missing than uh, Thiago was. Um, they, they were the reason that the back four of Kimmich, Boateng, Alaba, and, and Davies, and ultimately Sula as well, were able to kind of sit back in that deep line and, and not have to worry about the, that counter because of the, of the hard work that Alcantara put in for the entire match, Rob. And, um, and he did, for me, he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job there and, and really clogged it up to the point where 
PSG had no answers to counter. Um, now, this is, again, like I said, uh, Bayern's sixth title overall, uh, sixth Champions League title. Um, you also, the, the uh, one fact that they mentioned on the broadcast, you also brought it up as you and I were watching the match and, and chatting, was the amazing record that Bayern Munich had in this Champions League final tournament. They did not lose a match. They did not draw a match. They won every single match. I believe that, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first time that's ever happened. That's right. 11 straight wins, 44 goals in the process. And, Sorry, 43. 43. Yeah. And you couple that now with also winning a treble, right? Yep. They they won. They're they're the treble champions. Um, where does this Bayern Munich side? I mean, and I know these are strange times. This is this is a weird world. Where does this team rank compared to last year's Liverpool side? Compared to the the great Pep Guardiola Barcelona side? Compared to even the AC Milan sides that that won so many titles? Or even the Real Madrid sides that won repeated titles. Where does this Bayern Munich side sit? Because for a single season, they, they've accomplished something no one else has accomplished. They were dominant. I mean, completely dominant. You, you look back to the 8-2 against Barcelona in this particular tournament. I know this is a strange time given the pandemic. And I know that the, the path for them to get to this point to win the Champions League was different than what many of the other teams that we have just mentioned went through to get there. But my God, something has to be said with this team as, as in terms of a single season champion. One of the one of the greatest performances we've seen of all time in this Champions League overall, front start to finish. Don't you think? Despite the circumstances, I think I have to agree. It's definitely up there. It's also the second time a team has ever won a treble twice. Barcelona being the only other team, so obviously that puts a lot of precedence in this in this type of competition and this type of achievement. And and considering everything that had occurred at the beginning, if you remember, you know, Niko Kovac getting sacked. Um, you kind of, if you remember, there was that kind of feeling where you're like, maybe Bayern Munich weren't even going to win the Bundesliga, and and they, they go on and score a hundred goals and win in convincing style. Then they go on to win the Pokal in, in perfect fashion as well. Six wins uh, and a perfect record. And now they do this in, in the biggest stage of, of all of Europe to be the best team probably in the world. But, but I mean, it, it's right there. I think you have all the pieces out there. And let's be fair, Joe, I think, I think this, as bad as we didn't see a Ballon d'Or being placed, um, I think we have to give the credit to Robert Lewandowski. I yeah. think we have to put him up as maybe the best player in the world right now. I think 55 goals in all competitions. Um, you know, clearly has been someone that has been so effective and important for this Bayern Munich side. And, and, and you look at how Hansi Flick has tried to help the side in a team that was able to play a high defense and, and just be so, you know, like a well-oiled machine. You have to put that as a mention as maybe one of the best teams that we've seen in our lifetime in terms of how effective we are. they are. And, and, and again, this is, this is a side that expects these things. And if we remember, you know, it, while it is historic to be the only team from Germany to do a treble this has just been something that they want to achieve for many years to come you know they don't want a situation where they come next year and they don't win the Champions League I think they were they're trying to build and you know we, we talk about teams uh trying to build a dynasty and it is hard to do it in nowadays mm-hmm. um I mean Bayern have definitely achieved a dynasty in, in terms of German domestic football but in terms of them dominating in Europe it's it, it will be tough, but they definitely have the achievement. And, and again, it's like you look at also what they have that didn't play. You know, you have a Leroy Sané that's coming in. Right. Um, you know, you look at the age of these players. I mean, Alfonso Davies, 20. You look at players such as um, Kingsley Goldman, who scored the goal, 24. 
um, you know, Kimmich, I mean, someone that could definitely be the next captain of Germany, Bayern, uh, in the future, 25, you know, they, they just continue to have that, con- Sule, you know, Sule, 24, I mean, they have this kind of conveyor belt of, of of trying to have the best team and then to switch and change it when it doesn't work. And that's just been the efficient mentality that not just Bayern Munich have, but Bundesliga's team, um, teams have as well. And it's worked out. It's worked out in this final. No doubt about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think ultimately we're, we're looking at one of the greatest champions, like you said, and it's just, it's been an incredible run for them for sure. So um, let's, let's look at, uh, you know, if you think about it now, we've, we've moved on and we are now at a, um, at a crossroads because we, we've really started the Champions League having not completed the Champions League, right? I mean, if you think <laughs> about it. So, so moving into the future here now, I, I think, you know, I, I think we have to keep in mind the, the greatness of this team, that what they've given us, and see if they can repeat it. You know, that's always, isn't that always the task, Rob? We, you know, we look back at Liverpool. Liverpool steps onto the pitch. They, they win all the, all the cups that they, they could muster. The Champions League, they come back and win the, the EPL again this year. And, and ultimately, you know, everyone's ranting and raving about them. But now we're talking about Bayern in the same breath. So, you know, you, you brought up Leroy Sané. You brought up the youth of the team. Is this team prepared or better prepared, in your opinion, to kind of repeat this performance? Because given their age, as opposed to, let's say, Liverpool, or let's say when, when Barcelona did it. Um, you know, Liverpool is an interesting comparison because of the age of some of their wingbacks and the age of, of, of some of their players. You do have some older pieces in, in, in Mo Salah, but at the same time, you look at their wingbacks at Robertson and uh, Alexander-Arnold. Allison's also a younger player. Van Dijk is, is not exactly, I don't think he's over 30 yet. So they have a solid unit there too. Is this Bayern side ready to come back and repeat as champions? Well, I mean, I think you have to understand, Joe, that they've always been considered favorites to win the Champions League every season. I think that's always been the kind of mentality to have. And it's so tough to pinpoint trying to pick one team to win it all. I mean, we look at City, Manchester City, Liverpool, Barcelona, even though they're not really in the best shape right now, but they're always up there. Uh, Real Madrid, um, you know, PSG, obviously, Juventus. I mean, there, there are just so many teams out there that can compete. Um, I think Bayern Munich always obviously have their flaws, like all teams do. I think obviously the high-pressure um, defense could be exposed, but it, it's about how they're able to absorb that pressure and, and work out in that final. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when you look at some of the pieces that they have and some of the pieces that they can improve on, I, I think they have the potential to repeat as champions. True. I think they do. I think they have the potential because they have that mentality as always you know, to always compete for these titles, you know, to win the Bundesliga, to win the Pokal, and obviously to win the Champions League. That's always been in their in their DNA, really. And so the, it kind of is a, a bad thing to say, but, you know, with certain teams that, you know, you can win a double, but you could still get sacked and be considered a failure because you didn't win that Champions League. I think Bayern Munich are one of those teams out there that have that kind of uh, mentality to do so. So, yeah, I think they are going to be favorites as they always will and i think they have the best chance possible at this moment of course with other teams as well that could you know win the champions league uh, this is something we should have asked alex when we did our preview show and uh, and i and i want to throw the idea out at you because i'd like your thoughts on it just looking back on Bayern's history lover let's say the past 10 years or so um and i look at hansi flick and, and the job that he did there and the way he was able to take this over for nico kovac and really get this this ship steered in the right direction and then just really steamrolling right to the final. 
Um, is Hansi Flick for for Bayern Munich the next Hupankis, the the next guy that they can lean on, the next guy that they can always turn to, uh, kind of the loyal soldier that that maybe the Bayern faithful look at Hupankis as? Is Hansi Flick slowly becoming somebody like that? It's it's tough to say when you when you get into a position like this and now more expectations are given because of that. Mm. Um, I think we know that Hansi Flick has had a good resume in terms of what he's done with the German national team. You know, helping Yogi Lowe in those competitions in the World Cup and the Euros. So clearly, he has that kind of experience under his belt. But at the same time, I, I think he's 50 or something. I don't remember. But yeah, yeah I think he, he, I think he's still technically a young coach in terms of what he can achieve. I think he is someone that, you know, obviously has regained the trust of, of many of these players. So, you know, Alex mentioned that in the preview. And, and again, it really is something that um, you can work with, but... When you have the success at such a short amount of time, the the the, the pressure is on, and and so maybe he could be that Juhaikis, but again, maybe he just doesn't want to do that. Maybe he just wants to be at a team that could be successful for many years. You know, like what Guardiola did at Barca, or what um, you know Jurgen Klopp is doing. You know, he wants to be there for multiple years and and be a part of a project that can help them be successful. So. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he is. He does have that potential, but at the same time, it's just I, I feel like it's too early for him to go into that kind of um, title for now. Right. Right. No, I I, I agree. I, but I think he's certainly begun the path to do that. That's for sure. So um, let's let's table it. Let's table the uh, discussion of the Champions League. Let's look back real quick at the Europa League. We had that on on Friday. Obviously, this was Champions Weekend. Uh, when you look at all the competitions, and we had the uh, the great Sevilla Inter match on Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, on Friday, and Sevilla pulling this one out three two. Really, this looked like it was going to be one of those matches that we, I mean, it was down and dirty, goal scoring left and right. We had the Lukaku penalty in the fifth minute. We had um, uh, Luke De Jong giving us two goals, um, two beautiful header goals, and then Diego Godin with a header goal in his own. This was only the first half. But then the Lukaku going from hero to goat on this one in the 74th minute with the own goal and sealing the deal for um, for Sevilla to give them their title. Um, it was a little anticlimactic for me, Rob, I thought. But I thought, I mean, let's go back if we're, since we're comparing two champions matches here with the Europa League final and the Champions League final. This was the better of the two matches, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think when you look at what kind of uh, expectation, and, and also, while both the teams, the four teams, you would say, are kind of even in the way that their talent is demonstrated, I, I think you still have teams that are able to take advantage of of what they are moving forward. And, and relatively so, I think we have Sevilla, a team that obviously had come here with the experience of being the most successful team in the history of the Europa League, and Inter, a side that obviously, which was very effective moving forward, with the likes of Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez. So, yeah, I think it was a really entertaining final, but in the end, I think it really was the case of just um, maybe bad defending and and just and, and set pieces as well that was able to to um, decide the final. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, full credit to enter, you know, a very tough 
a very tough season. They were they were battling for the Serie A all year. Um, kind of fell off the pace a little bit. You're worried about the depth. You're worried about Conte. And then Conte, for me, I thought did a very good job for the most part in this particular matchup. I mean, there could have been some changes that he could have made, but really ultimately it was the performance of the players on the pitch that, that kind of did him in, you know, for me specifically, um, Lautaro Martinez was missing in action. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they ever said his name once. Um, and the other one was, uh, Gagliardini who, who I thought had a, had a terrible game as well. Um, you know, ultimately they've got to be better. I was surprised that Godin gave them such a good performance overall, but I think inter, needed to perform better. On the flip side, Ever Bonega had a fantastic match. Uh, Bono, their goalkeeper, was incredible as well. And, and you know, Diego Carlos, for being the, the true GOAT, and, and many would argue shouldn't have even been on the pitch anymore, given the foul on, uh, on, on Lukaku in the box, they, many people thought it should have been red carded, ends up turning into the hero with his bicycle kick that, uh, that ultimately, um, you know, Lukaku puts in the back of the net. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, it's always one of those cool stories that you see that you could t- be turned into a hero or a villain in, in, in the space of 90 minutes or vice versa. So, mm. yeah, I think it really was uh, very demonstrative of Diego Carlos to redeem himself and, you know, to help Sevilla achieve this Europa League title. And then and then you look back on Julian Lopetegui, right? I mean, talk about the, the, the debacle from 2018 from the national team to go to Real Madrid, getting sacked at Real Madrid. Now he finds himself in the Europa League final with Sevilla and wins it. Just talk about a rags to riches type story. This was a, this was a great story for Julian Lopetegui, no? Hundred percent. I think he he was able to redeem himself and and to really help a Sevilla side that, you know, also had a bit of a bit of pressure in La Liga. But when it comes to these type of competitions and you know finding that kind of mentality that they have, it worked out in the end. So yeah, yeah you have to give credit to Lopetegui, and it's a good story. And hey. I mean, we're in for a good Super Cup, I think. Bayern yeah. against Sevilla. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, that's for sure. And and again, we would expect goals, right? Yes. But we'll have to see what uh, what happens because we expected goals today, and and we certainly didn't get them. So, mm-hmm. um, Rob, you know, we didn't we don't have a, a proper show plan in terms of matches of the week, and I'm just scanning through the uh, the, the schedule for this week. Um, we have Champions League to talk about. Because we have Pauk from Greece playing Besiktas on uh, on Tuesday, believe it or not, that's a that's a Champions League qualifier. We have a bunch of matches also in in the uh, MLS, uh, highlighting Philadelphia Union, New York Red Bull uh, coming up on Tuesday as well. Looking at Wednesday, there's a ton of Champions League and Europa League matches, also MLS. As um, you're going to see Inter Miami, who will, by the way won their first match ever, play Atlanta United. So that is that is going to be a big one coming up this week on Wednesday. And if you with you know unbeknownst to us, Rob, it kind of snuck in under our noses. The league one started up the twenty yes. the twenty twenty one season uh, started this weekend. We've got Lyon uh, and Dijon playing on Friday, and then we've got a host of matches in Ligue 1 on Saturday with PSG actually returning to league action against Lens, and then on Sunday Mets Monaco and uh, and Strasbourg Nice are going to come up as well. So there's going to be some some nice matches to watch there as well, and uh, you know even going back to MLS on on uh, Sunday we're going to have Seattle Sounders and the LAFC play. Uh, LAFC losing the uh, El Trafico on the weekend to the LA Galaxy 2-0. So we're back into it. And and by the way, this would officially mark the end of the 2019-2020 European season. And we've already started the 2021. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing to talk about. But, uh, it, you know, the, the, way, uh, the way this year has gone, life comes at you very, very fast. So... Um, without anything left on the on the docket, my friend, you want to hit the closing music for uh, two ninety four? All right, let's do it. Coming up. 
so for episode 294 of Low Limit Football. Rob, I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight because we didn't have a, a special guest. We wanted to come on and give our reaction to Champions League and Europa League play. Congratulations to Sevilla on their title in the Europa League and congratulations to Bayern Munich on their Champions League and treble winning season. Next week we'll have a guest. We'll talk a little more MLS. We'll look into the French League as well. So for episode 294 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.